I'm showing 6.30, so we'll go ahead and start. Um, we're still um, in our School of Biblical Evangelism. We're still on the different world religions. Of course, Christianity being the uh, most popular throughout the world. Then we learned a few weeks ago, Islam is the second largest, followed by Hinduism that we talked about last week. So this week, we're at the fourth largest world religion, which is Buddhism. Now there's two lessons that goes with Buddhism. We're only going to cover the first one. The second one uh, says a lot of what the first one does, and then uh, it's a good read, but really no need to go over it. Uh, so with that, let's go ahead and start the founder. And there's a lot of words tonight I can't say either. There's a lot of words last week I couldn't pronounce, and there's a lot of words tonight I can't pronounce. But the founder, Siddhartha, Gautama, who became known as the Buddha, we'll just call him the Buddha from here out. Uh, he was in northern India uh, and founded Buddhism around 563 to 483 BC. Their scriptures are various, but the oldest and most authoritative were uh, compiled in what's called the Pali Canon. There's, at the time of the writing, there were 613 million Buddhists worldwide with a million in the United States. And the followers of Buddhism are followers of the Buddha, which Buddha means the enlightened one. Uh, so it's a religion of enlightenment and, and bringing self to a higher plane. Now, within Buddhism, there's three main schools. Um, again, I'm not going to try to pronounce them, but the first one, uh, the one that starts with the T, it does not treat the Buddha as a deity and sees faith as being a worldview. So it's more of a, um, I don't know, it almost called a self-help system. It's more than a religion. But then the second one, the one that starts with the M, they do worship Buddha as God, which that's about uh, half of their religion uh, sees Buddha as God. Then the third one, they have brought in elements of shamanism and the occult and includes taboo breaking, which is intentional immorality as a means of spiritual enlightenment. So what they believe this third group, there are these things that they know are immoral and they shouldn't do it, but they intentionally break it for the purpose of being further enlightened. Got me. In the United States, Buddhists see the United States as a prime mission field. Uh, Asian immigration, endorsement by celebrities and positive exposure in major movies um, have led to the growth of Buddhism in the United States. It's very closely related to the New Age movement, which if you'll remember New Ageism basically is whatever you want to do, it's okay to do it. Um, and I think the, a couple that it mentions here, Tina Turner and Richard Gere, are some Hollywood um, adherents of Buddhism. Uh, I know someone uh, I went to school with that has identified as a 
I believe they said a spiritual Buddhist, where they're not really calling themselves a Buddhist as much as, well, they're going to do the, the meditation and follow this and that and the other. Again, it's just an excuse to not follow Jesus by saying, well, you found this other way. Historically, the Buddha created this system of beliefs because a little further back, Buddhism come out of Hinduism. So, uh, Siddhartha, yeah, Siddhartha Gautama, the Buddha, he was brought up in these Hinduistic beliefs and he started to reject these ideas of theism because he had a difficulty believing that suffering and judgment and evil were real if a good and holy God existed. Now does that sound familiar? We hear people all the time saying, well if God is so good, why do bad things happen? So that's not a new thing. That's something that has been going for um, millennia. That they people cannot reconcile that if there's a good and holy God, why do bad things happen? As far as their core beliefs, it's an impersonal religion of self-perfection. They strive to make themselves more perfect. They do not have a, a personal God. The end of their life after death is extinction. They believe that once you die, that's it. You become compost and there's no um, afterlife thereafter. Now their beliefs can be summarized in four noble truths and also the noble eightfold path. The four noble truths are one, life is full of suffering, two, suffering is caused by craving, three, suffering will cease only when craving ceases, and four, this can be achieved by following the noble eightfold path consisting of right views, right aspiration, right speech, right conduct, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, and right contemplation. Now that word mindfulness, that's kind of a, a key word in our culture today because a lot of your uh, corporate seminars where they bring their employees in to, to um, help them better themselves, they'll talk about mindfulness. And even in some schools they'll talk about it. And that, where that is, that's looking inward to yourself and you more or less tell yourself, well, everything I'm doing, I, I accept what I, what I am and who I am and, and everything's okay. So you become more mindful and accepting of your virtues and your faults. I want to draw a parallel here of these, these four noble truths because it seems like Buddha was, was right at the doorway of being on the right track but then he missed it. Number one, he says, life is full of suffering. Well, we know life is full of suffering because of sin. We know that that sin came into the world and brought suffering. Suffering is caused by craving. 
if you think back to the Garden of Eden, sin came into the world because Adam and Eve said, well, we can eat of this tree. What's the, what's the big deal? That was a result of that craving. Number three, suffering will cease only when craving ceases. Sin is only going to cease when our desire to usurp God ceases. As long as we're in this body and have fleshly desires, there's going to continue to be sin and suffering. But then, number four, his solution is to follow the noble eightfold path. We know the solution to sin and suffering is a life in Jesus Christ. He's the only one that could take that away. So it's like, we're with you, we're with you, with you. Oh, you missed it, you know. So the, the basic tenets were on the right track and kind of went off the rail. Bridges for evangelizing Buddhists. The Buddhist main concern is suffering in this life and how to overcome suffering. Even to the point that they, that yes, they try to overcome it, but they have to deny that suffering is real. So you're spending your life overcoming something that in your mind you're having to say isn't real. Very contradictory. But we know that Christ, he faced that reality of suffering and overcame it by solving the problem of sin. Remember, suffering exists because sin exists. He gave his life on the cross so that we, even though we will still suffer in this life, we can rise above that because we know we have an eternity fixed in heaven where there'll be no more suffering. We can live with that hope. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, We fix our eyes not on what is seen, which is suffering, but on what is unseen, which is eternal life free of suffering. For what is seen, suffering, is temporary. But what is unseen, future good life with Christ, is eternal. That's so much better than believing that when we die, that's the end. We know that there's life afterwards and through Christ the sufferings that we experience in this age are worth what we go through because of the hope we have of eternity in heaven with him. Buddhists work to convince themselves they have no personal significance. But they live their daily lives as though they do. Again, contradictory. They tried to overcome suffering all the while denying suffering exists. They uh, try to convince themselves they have no worth or significance, but they live as though they do. Jesus has taught us that, to use our modern day cliche, that all lives matter. He said that we're all significant. We all are precious to him. We're made in his image with an immortal soul and an eternal destiny. For someone to love us so much that they would die on the cross, that tells me that we have some intrinsic value. Even though we're sinful, we were valuable enough to God that He would send His Son to die for us. 
Romans 5, 8 says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Their doctrine of future hope is no hope at all. This um, extinction that they believe at the end of life is what they call nirvana. I'm sure you've heard of that uh, term before. It's the name of a 80s some odd band years ago. But nirvana, I had always thought that it was a, they believed nirvana was a, a heightened spiritual state that when you uh, left this life, you were brought forth into this consciousness. But from what we're reading here, you know, you close your eyes in death and everything goes black and there's nothing else. The sad truth of that is how many have gone through life believing in this false religion, striving towards nirvana, where they would be no longer existing but have opened their eyes in torment. Probably countless millions and millions more headed that way. But Christ, He gave us eternal good life on a new heaven, a new earth where there'll be no more suffering, no more tears in our eyes. Revelation 21 4. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things which is suffering has passed, which in our case will pass away. You see how these are some bridges towards speaking to a Buddhist? If they're so concerned with suffering, these verses are speaking directly to that condition. Um, suffering in this life is temporary, but we will have eternal life with Christ, or the old order of things in this world which is suffering will pass away and there will be no more suffering with Christ in heaven. Their moral law, they believe in karma the same as the, um, hmm. who are those people we talked about last week? Hindus, seeing if y'all is paying attention. Yeah. <laughs> they believe in karma the same as the Hindus. That would not come to me for nothing. And it's a law of cause and effect. What goes around comes around. You do something bad, something bad's going to come back to you. You do something good, something good's going to come back to you. Um, they do believe in um, reincarnation, at the end of which is nirvana, no existence. So their struggle is, is to do enough good to get out of the loop of reincarnation. But this, this rule of karma, there's no appeal, no mercy, and no escape except through unceasing effort at self-perfection. Will anyone ever become perfect of their own doing? It, it never happens. But we understand that we have a personal God who listens to us when we pray, who has mercy on us when we repent, and who loves us and wants only the best for us. Romans 8, 28, In all things God works for good, for the good of those who love Him. Uh, merit in this um, 
system of trying to do enough good to get out of the loop of reincarnation. They uh, constantly struggle to earn merits by doing good deeds. If they gain enough merit, then they'll break free from the life of suffering. And this is real handy here. If you are a saint that has built up more merit than you need, you can pass that on to someone who's not undeserving. Isn't that? That's, that's convenient. Um, but Jesus taught us right the opposite. No one can ever do enough good, can ever collect enough merit on our own to become righteous, to escape suffering. But Jesus, who has unlimited merit that we would call righteousness, because he lived a sinful, sinless life, his death was meritorious and he was resurrected from the grave, he offers us unlimited merit as a free gift to anyone who will follow him. So a life of constantly striving to do good, to do better, suffering to try to get past a state of suffering. And then we look at Christ and he says, quit trying to do that, you can't do it. Come to me, I have the righteousness, I have the merit. Follow me, repent, and you'll be saved. For it is, grace, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith and not this and this not from yourselves it is the gift of God not by work so that no one can boast there's when we get to heaven we can't say well hey look I must have done something right to get here we cannot boast in anything except in Jesus Christ our Lord and desire this goes back to where we were talking about living a life of contradiction. They seek to overcome suffering by rooting out desire, but at the same time they cultivate desire for self-control, meritorious life, and nirvana. Christians, on the other hand, are consistent. We want to reject what's evil. We have turned our back on sin. We know that we are not sinless, but when we do sin, we take no pleasure from it. We try to avoid it as much as possible. And we seek to do good things. We desire the good, trying to reach the standard of Christ. Now, we won't do it in this life, and we know we won't, but we strive for that. Second Timothy 2.22, Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Now, Jesus and the Eightfold Path, these, these first ones are kind of bridges now if you are speaking to a Buddhist and they start down this Eightfold Path, there's scripture here that we can use to introduce them to Christ. And I'm just going to read through them their scripture references here with each one. But the first one, Right Views, and this is, this is the view of Christianity on each one of these. It says, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And there is salvation in no one else. Right aspiration. Fights and quarrels come from selfish desires and wrong motives. Right desires and motives honor God. 
right speech. A day of judgment is coming when God will hold men accountable for every careless word they have spoken. Right conduct. The one who loves Jesus must obey him, and those who live by God's wisdom will produce good acts or fruit. Right livelihood. God will care for those who put him first, and all work must be done for God's approval. Right effort. Like runners in a race, followers of Christ must throw off every hindrance in order to give him their best efforts. Right mindfulness. The sinful mind cannot submit to God's law, and disciples of Jesus must orient their minds as he did. And right contemplation. The secret of true success, inner peace, self-control, and lasting salvation is submission to Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord and setting your heart and mind on things above where he now sits in glory waiting to bring the present order of sin and suffering to an end. And that's such a wonderful thought to know that from the beginning God had an order and a plan to bring all things to a conclusion. And of course it only makes sense that the further that time goes along we're getting closer to that moment every day. But I certainly believe there's a lot more behind us than there is ahead of us. I think that that day is coming soon when suffering will be gone, when all things will be made right again and we will be with him forever. Witnessing the Buddhists, of course we've talked about bridges between Buddhism, Christianity, ways to kind of break the ice and get into um, into terms that they're good with to that they can understand. I thought it's interesting here. It says to avoid terms such as such as new birth, rebirth, generation, or I'm sorry, regeneration, or born again. Born again, we use that all the time in in church life, and it would be easy to go up to somebody and say, "Are you born again?" Well, if you're not careful, a Buddhist or someone else may think, well, uh, yes, I believe I've lived a life before and I'm living in this life now. The words we want to go for are endless freedom from suffering, guilt and sin, or new power for living a holy life, promise of eternal good life without suffering, or gift of unlimited merit. Bringing what God promises to terms that they would understand because they understand this uh, trying to overcome suffering or trying to earn merit so that's where we I guess sort of turn it around and say well yes there is a way to escape suffering there is a way to get unlimited merit and that's through Jesus Christ but we don't want to be misleading in our terms emphasize the uniqueness of Jesus Christ he's the one and only there's been no other like him and never will be another like him. It's easy to get distracted by the details of what Buddhists believe um, and we don't have to know every little nuance, every little thing of what they believe or what a Muslim believes or what a Hindu believes. Kind of familiar, you know, we want to be familiar with what they believe so we've got common ground to start with to talk to them, but primarily the gospel 
is the focus. And that's what we've said with the other world religions, with just someone who is a sinner that's not been saved. You don't focus so much on their arguments or what they think or what they believe. Yes, that's a icebreaker gets you into it, but bringing the gospel and saying, well, yeah, you believe this, but let me tell you what the Bible says and letting them let the scripture and the Holy Spirit do its work. Um, the bridges for evangelizing and Jesus and the Eightfold Path, those are real handy there because it helps show weaknesses in the, the Buddhist doctrine. And don't say Buddhism is good, but Christianity is easier. Buddhism has been good at kind of absorbing ideas from other religions, which anything that's new age, it's a mixture of everything. But Buddhism, we don't want to mislead anybody to say, well, well if you want to keep following Buddhism, that's okay. It's not. We know that its end is eternity in, in hell. And we definitely want, don't want to say Christianity is easier. Sure, we don't have a merit system of things we're trying to do to earn our way to heaven, but the Christian life is not easy. Um, when you become a Christian and you um, mutiny against your old master and come under the light of Jesus, you immediately become the enemy of the devil. It's, it's not an easy life, and that's, that's what just absolutely runs all over me with the, with the prosperity preaching, is Jesus wants the best for us, but our best life is not now. We've got a lot we've got to go through. Then when we reach eternity, that's our best life. And it doesn't have to do with money and cars, and I don't think I need to remind you all about the guy that said God gave me a Ferrari because I am a Ferrari. I think most of y'all remember that. That's just crazy stuff. But anyway, also share your testimony by telling that you have received freedom from guilt and that you have assurance of heaven where there will be no more pain or suffering. When you hear from when you, when you hear of a new restaurant is opening, what's usually the main deciding factor whether you eat there or not? You find somebody that's been there and they tell you, is it good or not? Word of mouth. Word of mouth is the best advertisement for Christianity. If Jesus hasn't made a difference in our life, why would someone else care what we're telling them? Yes, Scripture and the Holy Spirit do their work. They bring conviction. They, they are the words of life. But if we don't live that ourselves or bring that out in, in our sharing with them, you know, it's pointless. And as always, prepare with prayer. We don't want to do anything, let alone witness to somebody within our own strength. All right, and that is a crash course on Buddhism. I think we have one more world religion 
Uh, next week, I believe it's Taoism, and then after that, yeah, it, the, the part two lesson, it does say a lot of what the first part says. It, it, it's a good read, but we're not going to really rehash a lot of it. So, yeah, thanks for pointing it out, though. But we'll, we'll get to the next religion next week, and after that, um, we go into different uh, worldviews, which looks to be uh, very interesting. Are there any questions or comments about this lesson? Yes, Talitha. think well if if you believe that this life is all there is and there's nothing after you know live how you want to eat drink and be merry whatever uh, the only thing I can figure is since they do believe in reincarnation also they're striving to do good to break the cycle of reincarnation that they're a, a you know an old soul that's been going through this over and over and over and with each life they suffer now, it doesn't say whether they believe that they remember those past lives, so I don't know if they think, well, I remember the suffering of this life and this life and this life, and I want to get out of the cycle. I mean, we know, of course, that's not true, that nobody's going to remember a past life because that doesn't exist. But that's the whole thinking is we're going to get out of this cycle of suffering. So I guess annihilation and extinction in their mind is better than continual suffering. Okay, that's an excellent question though, thank you for it. Okay. Alright, anybody else? Yes? They're thinking that suffering doesn't really exist. They're trying to reach the state to where it doesn't. And while they meditate, they won't open what they call chakra. That is certain points of the body where they are trying to bring in different energies of different elements. Okay. And they're trying to strengthen themselves through that. I should have got you to pronounce these words for me. Okay, that's that's interesting. Yeah, I usually do too. Um, that's interesting because the lesson does mention meditation, but doesn't really go into it any further. But their whole purpose of Buddhist meditation is trying to reach that state of nirvana, and I guess it's a state of nirvana while they're still alive, to where there's nothingness. I, I assume that's what they're trying to do. Or, 
Exactly. If if nirvana is nothingness and extinction, that is true. Of course, I guess they probably believe you can never reach that through meditation, but even though they try. But that that is interesting. They meditate to try to reach this state of nothingness, but then they're able to come back from it. Interesting. No, there's a lot of things we. I don't understand all of Christianity yet, let alone these other things. You know, um, there's there's parts in the Bible that I'm still trying to understand. Keep your keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Yeah. And, and that is true with the, with the martial arts. There is a lot of Eastern mysticism tied into that. You know, thankfully, when you've got a Baptist deacon teaching it, a lot of that doesn't come in to it. There are schools, you know, across the nation that you know the the instructors will teach the mysticism along with it. They'll do the the meditation and and all that and lead the class to do so. gone off the rails so which what did y'all expect I mean really uh, all right well thank you all and I, I appreciate the insights because I I should have used you as a resource I didn't I didn't think about the connection to but if you have any more Buddhism questions I refer you to oh that's all he knows okay all right that's all of it so all right well thank you very much we'll go ahead and transition to um, our prayer time will have an opening hymn and we'll uh, thank our Facebook audience for joining us and we will see them next time.